Hey, look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Come on, don't lie to him like you did last week. Look at him and say, it's good to see you. Now look back at them and say, it's good to see me too, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Crossroads Church. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads. And what that means is every single week, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. So if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. We believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. Don't worry, we wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And don't worry, Lompoc Campus, I hear Pastor Tyler has a plan to put uh, It's All About Jesus on the wall. And if you're gathering with us today in Lompoc, we're so glad that you're joining us. Maybe you didn't realize that there is a crowd of people at 213 North J Street in Lompoc. They are watching this live together, gathered, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. And so whether you're here in the Buellton campus or Lompoc campus, if you need a Bible to follow along, we got you covered if you forgot yours. And so you can just slip up your hand if you need a Bible, and one of our ushers will get a Bible to you. And then if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you take that read it every single day because every time you do you get to meet with Jesus amen the three of you think that all right Uh, we can do a little better than that all right every time you read the Bible you get to meet with Jesus amen Amen. That's better. Hey, turn in your Bible uh, as we finish up our summer series today. We've been in the book of Titus for the summer. And so if you're new to the scriptures, you can start in the right and turn left and you'll find Titus uh, much faster. And so it's kind of a, a sneaky little book that gets wedged in between Hebrews and First and Second Timothy. And you'll see Philemon. And there is the book of Titus. If you're watching on our online campus, there is a tab there that you can just click on and the Bible will drop down in front of you. And if you are a local, if you live in the area, if you live within uh, a decent drive of our campus, let me encourage you, get to one of our campuses in person. Because the reality is, is Christianity is more than just sermons. Amen. If you were to ask somebody, uh, hey, how did you get to where you are in your faith? More often than not, they will tell you not about a sermon, but they'll tell you about someone. They'll, they'll tell you about how someone impacted their life. And, and so you need someone. You need to bump into somebody as you're getting coffee out at the space at the Lompoc campus or here in our lobby at the Buellton campus. And I, I can tell you that if you're watching from home, we got better coffee than you do here. All right. <laughs> and the worst sound at crossroads is where's the coffee at you know uh so we'll uh do our best to keep those refilled and you caffeinated but the reality is is getting here and being a part uh of this community of faith because life is better together amen oh you do better than that life is better together amen amen so do your best to be here in person. And so I want you to look at the book of Titus, um, the last part of chapter three, the end of the book. I'm going to read um, from verse 10, uh, t- verse 10 on, and I'm going to finish the book. And then I'm going to kind of give you some big ideas. I'm going to tell you some stories and take you on a journey on the big idea of the book of Titus as we conclude. And, and then, 
we'll kind of wrap up this series. So the book of Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 10, you can say amen when you're there. As for a person who stirs up division, there was some confusion about this at the end of the last service. I want, I want to just clear this up. For as a person who stirs up division, not someone who messes up, not someone who isn't perfect yet, not someone who has, doesn't have it all together, someone who stirs up division, someone who stirs up division, we're going to talk about that in just a bit, someone who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. And then verse 12 says, when I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best uh, to come to me at uh, Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best uh, to send Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. And he ends the book with this. Grace. Grace means unmerited undeserved favor. Grace be with you all. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and who you are to us. I ask for your grace that you would help us, you would encourage us, stir us with your scriptures as we ponder and we reflect on the book of Titus. Will you help us in this gathering that is the church, the gathering of the people of God, the family meeting? Here. I pray that you would help us and stir us for your glory and the good of this valley. And everyone said, Amen. You know, I was thinking about the differences. There's a lot of them, right? But I, I started thinking about the differences between the generations. Have you ever noticed there's some, in every generation, it, it, we, we look at the generation before us or behind us and go, what are they doing? Someone say amen to that, right? And there's some big differences between the generation. And I'm so thankful for a church as diverse as ours as we have all different ages and places and faces and we come from all different backgrounds. But the other night, I, I, I kind of stumbled on to one of the major differences between my generation and the generation ahead of us. And maybe, uh, maybe the, 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 the lines blur a little bit. But, but I started realizing as we came home from a trip the other night, and we didn't have much in the cupboard. And we had a sickness, like a, a bout of sickness over the last couple months. And people would just drop stuff off at our, uh, and I don't know what it is. Is it's it's usually a ro how many know that when the the meal train comes through and you say it's usually rotisserie chicken and mac and cheese you ever notice that <laughs> and and yet so we had like this stash of like the instant cup mac and cheese and my wife and I the kids are in bed we have nothing to eat we're like man we, let's let's eat some we're looking at each other like are we gonna do this are we gonna eat mac and cheese at night we're like yeah we're totally gonna do this right and I'm looking at like oh man I, I don't know like like I, I had a flashbacks to 
college and uh, like cup of noodle and rum, like, and here we are with these little cups of instant mac and cheese. And my wife uh, does the unthinkable. She leaves me alone trying to figure this out, right? And, and she walks away, but as she walks, she had put one of the cups into the microwave. And then I hear her say something like, that's way too much water. Like, what, what is this? And, and then she leaves, and here I am left to figure out the, the next step. And, and, and I go, man, I, I have an idea. I'll read the directions. And, and I look on the direction. This is the moment where I realize the vast difference between the generation ahead of us and my generation. See, my generation has directions and your generation had recipes, <laughs> right? right? Like the, there's a fundamental difference between my generation. We have directions and the generations before us had recipes. And then I'm reading the directions and I could not believe what I was reading. When we're looking going, this can't be right like I'm looking at this this cup of mac and cheese and the water I'm thinking the water should be evaporated by now that's way too because if you were making this you would drain the water why is there water still in this and then I look to the directions and the directions literally say please do not remove water for it's needed for the cheese sauce let me say it again Please do not remove the water for it's needed for the cheese. Can you imagine? They know our generation and our fragile sense of self that they need to put, please do not mess this up as you're making this in the middle of the night. Don't get rid of the water for it's needed for the cheese sauce. Like, what are you kidding? Please. My wife comes in and I go, I've, I've figured it out. And here's the reality. This is the difference. This is the main difference. I don't know that this is a good difference, but here's the reality is the generations before us, they had recipes and we have directions. And they so need to, to make sure that they handle us with care that they put, please do not remove the water for it is needed for the cheese sauce. And you're like, man, uh, why, why is that such uh, an epiphany? It's because I started going, this is how removed from relationship that we are. Because my, my wife said, well, aren't recipes essentially directions? I go, yeah, it's kind of directions. But see, what recipes do is it begins to help you understand what's actually in the it, it helps you understand the ingredients in the recipe and let me tell you I have no idea what was in that cheese sauce when I looked at that that was not natural I'm gonna tell you that right now right there's nothing organic about that that was uh there, there it wasn't non-gmo it was like double gmos you know what i mean like I, i'm looking at that going holy smokes see the generation before we 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 have uh, endeavored to understand what goes into making something see we've kind of far removed from that today we, we're less concerned with what goes into the mix. We just want it done quick and convenient. And we, we don't really understand what it goes into. We're, we're good at instructions and assembling things. We've lost the art of building things. So we kind of understand this plus this equals this. And we want people to just tell us what to do rather than actually being concerned with what it takes to make 
something. Oh, that's pretty good preaching, Pastor Sam. Thank you. Right? There's this idea that we've, we've removed. Just tell me what to do. I'm not concerned with how it's made. See, how have you grew up with uh, your mother teaching you a recipe or your grandmother teaching you a recipe? Let, let me tell you what didn't happen in that kitchen. What didn't happen in that kitchen was grandma saying, honey, please don't remove the water for it's needed for the cheese sauce. She's like, hey, hey, don't do that. <clears throat> Amen. She said, no, 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 don't touch that. Back up. No, let me show you how to do it. No, 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 you're doing that wrong. Stop. If you want this to go good, you'll listen to me, and I don't have time for your fragile sense of self and, and your emotions. If you want this to go well, you need to listen up because, honey, this is my kitchen. I remember what that was like. And yet now we're, we're getting, we're getting uh, please notes on our mac and cheese cup. Like wh where have we moved to? And yet when we get to things like the book of Titus, he kind of removes, it's very direct. He has no time for niceties. He's going, if you want this to go well, let me show you what's in the sauce. Let me tell you, show you what's in the mix. Let me get down to business and tell you what needs to happen so this will go well for you. See, what he's trying to show us is giving us the recipe and see the thing about recipe that's different that makes it so different than just directions that's why I don't call it direction because recipes have relationship tied to it when you think about a recipe you think about someone's recipe that was my mom's recipe it was my grandmother's recipe this this is a family tradition is a family recipe and see the the idea of a recipe there's like variations that can happen right? There's an understanding. There's a big idea. And, how, and what you realized when you got in the kitchen with your mother, when you got in the kitchen with grandma, you realized that there was always some variation. Well, if this happens, maybe it needs a little bit more of this. And if you only have this size pan, you use this. And, and maybe you need to mix it up here. And if you're in a different area, the, the humidity or the type of oven, or maybe you just didn't have this ingredient so you can sell this ingredient and you'll get something just as good but slightly different and see that's the idea of a relationship and a recipe much different than direction can I just say that in the church world in our culture we've kind of got this wrong at times Man, the church has put people like myself in positions where we're just handing out directions and we've not taught people what's actually in the mix we, we, we've told people do this and that in order to be godly and yet we didn't help them understand the nuance. We didn't help them understand the variations. We said this is what it means to have a godly family, a godly marriage and then we have people show up without the ideal situation and going yeah, 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 but what about this? What about being a single mom? What about being a single dad? What about the divorce that I went through? What about this that I showed up? I don't have the ideal situation. Well, friend, that's okay. Let me show you the recipe and what goes into the mix. And you can begin to find the relationship of the recipe that is following Christ. See, sometimes 
We as a culture, we're removed from the ingredients of what it takes to make a society, to make a community, to, to have a culture that glorifies God. We've, we've, we've made it out to be an equation, and we begin to say, wait a second, that math doesn't add up. And so Titus is written by Paul to this young pastor on the island of Crete off the coast of Greece. And he says, hey, this is the idea. Here's the recipe. Here's what goes into it. And then he writes in such a way that he says, you're going to need people around you. He names, he says, listen, Titus, I want you to uh, appoint leaders and men and people who can be uh, a pillar and a protector in the congregation. He says, listen, uh, I, 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 when I send Artemis and Tychicus, I'm sending more people to you. You're going to need people around you, and you're going to need you need protectors who can help. And and what you'll realize is in this thing that is the church, you'll find this fluidity. You'll find this movement. You'll realize that you're one individual, but you're part of something bigger than that. And so you'll find yourself, whether you're a guest or, or you haven't been in a while, or maybe you show up to a different town and you find a community of believers, you'll find people who are in that same fluid motion. Uh, the best example I can give that is I was recently this past week and I'll tell you more about this trip. We went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. How many of you have been to the Monterey but let me tell you, for a kid from Kentucky, this was fascinating, right? Like, and my wife's walking in like, that's not real. That's a TV screen. I was like, don't say that loud, right? That, like, we're, we were so removed from seeing this stuff. And, and, and we went right, I went right away to the into the deep uh, kind of uh, exhibit. And, and, and man, there, there was these big yellowfin tuna and all of a sudden a hammerhead shark drifts by and, and and then there's mai mai and all these other fish and then at the bottom there's just this swarm of little sardines at the bottom you can't really make out whether it just looks like a like a twister at the bottom of the tank and and, and we make sure we get good seats for the feeding and and they have the the feeding of all these the big fish first and and all of a sudden they they come in and they drop i mean it wasn't exactly i was hoping to like experience like shark week and they were going to lower something like jurassic park in the middle of the tent they're like oh lower a goat down there anyways and uh didn't quite meet my expectations but but they, they started dropping bait into the tank and all the big fish were swarming around and and as the feeding was wrapping up, the, the person, the guide was telling us, hey, watch this. Here's what's going to happen is towards the end of this feeding, you're, the sardines at the bottom are going to begin to move towards the middle of the tank. And, that, and, and they said, we at the Monterey Bay Aquarium call this the Monterey Bay Fireworks Show. And because what you really can't make out is the distinctness of those sardines. What you see is just this fluidity of movement that begins to happen through the tank. It would expand and contract. And also you realize it's this fish, this school of fish swarming around in this tank. And they're beginning to clean up the scraps and food particles that are left from the larger predators eating. And they're moving around. And, and, and it's this wild kind of fluidity to it. And then you see the Mai Mai, you're beginning to go, wait a second, those look like 
what they dropped in here earlier, right? And so they start trying to, to, to corner and, and try to move in through and they get aggressive and, and they're starting to eat the sardines as well. But then you realize that sometimes they'll start moving towards the school of fish and the school of fish will separate almost as quick as the Mai Mai twitched. And they say, here's what you'll notice is the sardines have an organ in their body. This, it, it almost feels, to the naked eye, it almost feels like it's a premonition. But they have this ability to detect the most slightest of movements so that they can react quicker. And, and what you realize, as fast as those sardines are swimming, they never hit one another. They never collide. And they're, they're millimeters between them. And they're moving so fluid. No one's talking, but everyone knows where to go. And, and then you see the, the predators move flinch and they'll move away and they begin to expand almost taking up the entire tank to make themselves look bigger and then smaller deterring predators and I begin to look at that and go man see that's what the church is like it's this this group of people moving together and there's fluidity to it and, and there's unity to it but yet there's individuals see the church is not a building the church is not a place the church the ecclesia is a group of people that somehow begin to move to this rhythm. Eugene Peterson calls it the rhythms of grace, as if there's this internal cadence, this march that we're all uh, marching to, this cadence that we're all marching to, this beat that we're all moving. We can't always explain it, but God will put us in the middle of relationships, and he'll actually put us together to warn us away from predators, to help us overcome obstacles. We'll be begin to see that there's this heartbeat between us, this fluidity that begins to put almost like the same way a family would do. And you realize, man, sometimes you meet people that are your family and you've never met them before, but you know they're family. You ever experienced that? See, that's the beautiful thing of the church. See, on this trip, it was kind of an interesting uh, dynamic for me as we went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And we've been talking about a trip like this for some time. And we'd never been north of Cambria. I don't know what it is, but, but we just love the central coast. And it's like, we're not going to LA or the Bay. Anyways. And, uh, and, and so we just kind of, we've been here for, for in California for almost 10 years. And, and yet we've never made our way that far north. And finally, I was like, man, the Monterey Bay Aquarium, that seems worthy of it. And, and then I'd met this guy back in October. I'd met him surfing and, and he was surfing with his kid. And we made this connection. We talked in the parking lot and, and it was right around the Alisal fire. If you remember the Alisal fire. And on that day we were surfing together. And then as we were leaving, we exchanged numbers and I just made it back before they closed the 101. And, and I saw some of the first flames coming over the ridge and, and I just made it home. And so I text him some pictures that people had sent me. Hey, you, you want to stay down South? You don't want to try to come this way and and we kind of had this connection around this this fire and this surfing experience and that was kind of all it was to me and, and I didn't know his last name but he told me he lived at Carmel by the sea you know and, and I, I put his name in and I was like John Carmel and uh and 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 later I get this I get this this uh this call and and I'm like man why is 
Carmel calling, hey, hey, what's up, buddy? And, and over the past few months, we would just have these conversations. We would talk about surfing. He would call me. And I, I didn't even know if he knew I was a pastor. And we would talk here or there. And then I was like, hey, man, we're trying to, we're going to come up to the Monterey Bay. Do, do you know of any place to stay? And he goes, hey, well, you could just stay at my house. I, I have this little beach house. I rent this beach house a, a, a couple blocks from, it's nothing fancy. It's like your grandmother's old funky house and it's a cool spot. And, and, and you could stay there. And it was like, that, that, that's cool. Um, since we've only met once, right? And I was like, all right, yeah, I think that. And, and I, I hang up the phone and I was like, uh, to my wife, Hey, Sarah, um, I met this guy one time and, uh, and we're, and we're going to drive where we've never been before. And we're going to stay in his house. Right. And she's like, well, where is it? And I'm like uh, texting him later, like, hey, you used to shoot me your address. We check it out. And he's like, well, there are no addresses in Carmel by the sea. I was like, OK. And I was like, hey, uh, Sarah, uh, we're going to go stay at this guy's house. I've met one time and um, he doesn't have an address. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm starting to talk like, hey, I, um, maybe we should, uh, maybe I, I feel okay about this, but we're going to drive up there. Uh, but here's the idea. We're going to pack the van as if we we're staying in the van just in case something goes wrong, right? And so we, we drive up there and, and I, I have a conversation with him. It turns out, for those of you, I don't think I clarified this, the, the one mile block at Carmel by the Sea, nobody has an address. So you can imagine having this conversation, not knowing that and, uh, and going up there and, and he says, Hey, listen, my, my girlfriend lives two blocks down the street. We have our teenage boys and, uh, you guys can have our, house and, uh, you know, stay there and, and I'll go stay at my girlfriend's house and it'll be fine. So we pull up and he says, I'm working, but my girlfriend will be there to greet you and my son, my 14 year old son. And so that's exactly what happens. We show up and there's never met her before, but they're going to show us around this house that we're going to stay and teenage boys who were fantastic gentlemen and just showing us around. But then as we got to around them and then he came home from work, we, it, it almost was funny hearing the other side of the conversation from their perspective. And, and, and we ended up having dinner the next night and, and all this, but they began to, to, to joke back and forth. And I was like, yeah, you know, thanks for letting us stay here. I, I know it's kind of interesting that we've only met one time. And I was like, you know, I don't even know your last name. <laughs> and I was like, you're just Adam Carmel. Or, and, uh, and they're like, yeah, well, it's kind of interesting from our side as well. And what it turns out is he's not a believer. And he goes, I'm, um, I wouldn't say I'm like, I don't believe in no God, but it's just not my thing. And, and I, I'm pretty skeptical. I've never raised around church. And his girlfriend that they've known since they were eight years old, just reconnected over COVID. 
And she's a strong believer, attends a church there in town, and, and her family is strong believers, and they've been praying for him. And, and they're pretty open about praying for him. And around his house, I realized that there are books uh, like Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter sitting uh, in different spots, hoping that he might read these books. And, and, and she's kind of grinning as she looks at me and looks at him. And they're like, yeah, uh, Adam, uh, tell, tell, tell him your side of the story. And so after we surfed that day and we had a conversation in the parking lot, he gets on the phone with her and says, you're not going to believe who I surfed with today. It's like, I don't even know any pastors. And here I am meeting this pastor and the likelihood of this pastor who surfs being from Kentucky, right? And a little detail there is he has actually had a t-shirt brand that he buys from that is from Kentucky, had that shirt on that day. And he's like, this is strange. And then all week the girlfriend's been saying and now you have a pastor staying at your house right and she's like he's never done this before he knows nothing about us I remember halfway through he's like so how many kids do you got and I was like you don't want to know bro <laughs> it's like you can take it back if you want I was like I got four kids he's like you got four yeah bro it's okay right we'll sleep in the van right and and, and yet here they are going, I don't know how this happened, but there's something to this. And she's praying and she's going all week, Pastor Sam's coming this week. <laughs> Tripped me out. We ended up at the grocery store the, at different times. And all of a sudden I was grabbing stuff and I didn't know they were there. And all of a sudden in the grocery store in Monterey Bay, uh, I hear Pastor Sam. And I was like, not again. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Like, what, what is it? I turn around and, and, and here's his girlfriend coming up to go, hey, no, no, you know, we're, we're getting stuff for dinner. And it was kind of amazing, the, the connection, the fluidity. I couldn't really explain it, but God will put you in people's lives. And, and then there I was at this house with this person that I'd only met one time before. He had only met me, a non-believer, that now he has a pastor and his family staying. And we're like, hey, this is a huge blessing for us. We're so glad to be here. And they're going, our family's been praying for you. Our family has been excited that God would make this connection. And here we are in the moment. And then the night he's making pizzas in the backyard and, and he looks at me and he goes, so how do you prepare for your sermons? Like, okay. And uh, I was like, well, uh, I kind of do this. <laughs> I just go stay at people's houses. And then uh, she only met one time and somehow they end up in sermons. And uh, he's like, how do you prepare? I was like, well, I, you know, I just, I, I'm always, we, we go through books of the Bible. And, and because sometimes like people don't realize this is, this is a big book. And it's actually not just one book, it's 66 books. And, and oftentimes the things get taken out of context. And then I'll, I'll watch things. I'll listen to podcasts and, and I read different things. And, and I just, I, I kind of picture myself if I was in that podcast, when I hear someone question Christianity, like how would I 
answer that. And I told him a story about our Romans series. If you were here during our Romans, we, see, we go through books of the Bible, and today we're going to conclude like our fifth or sixth, maybe eighth book since I've been here through books of the Bible. And, and, and I, we did a series in Romans, and the series in Romans was actually inspired by this clip that I watched of this famous podcaster. And for the sake of discretion, because I don't want to promote anybody, we'll change his name to Joe. And, uh, and so I was watching this famous podcaster named Joe, and on this clip, this young girl uh, was talking about Christianity, and she talked about how she left her faith, and, and it was intriguing for Joe, and, and Joe's going, man, that's interesting. You left your faith after all these years. That seems strange to uh, be raised in something and kind of leave your tradition. Why is it that you left that tradition why did you leave and and i'm telling him the, about this this clip and and I, I, she's she says well i read the bible for myself i started reading it and she then quotes one of the most difficult passages in all of scripture and you can see joe's face like wow it says that and when I preach to the book of Romans, uh, I, I would do some form of this intro that I'm giving you every single sermon. And I would say, here's the problem with that. If I were to go into your house and open your favorite novel, your favorite book, and I was just to turn to the middle of the book and read one page, or dare I say, even one paragraph in that book, I might not get the point of that book, wouldn't you say? If I was to slip into a movie theater and only see one scene on the screen, I might not get the point. And you'd be like, hey, you had to see the part earlier or wait till the end. It will all make sense. How much more a library of books, 66 books, then to go into one of those books inside of all of those books and read less than a page and say, that's why I left the faith. And I'm explaining this to him. And I said, I usually do this so that maybe I'm talking to someone like you. Maybe it's, there's a question. And you know, I actually didn't tell people what passage she quoted for 16 weeks. People are like, come on, dude, tell us already. And I was like, I want you to come back next week. Right. And 10 weeks in, they're like, how long are you going to do this? Right. But I had to teach from Romans one all the way to Romans nine, Romans nine being one of the most difficult passages. And here I am standing at this guy's house, re-preaching my sermon from two years ago. And saying to him, hey, man, there are some difficult stuff in the Bible. There are some passages, but so you got to get into the ingredients. It's not just a book of directions. It's a relational story. And so even though she was saying, oh, I read it for myself, she didn't quite read it for herself. She looked at Joe and said, the, this book says this, I'm God, you're not, you don't get to ask me questions. Wow, for a millennial, all they do is ask questions. They know nothing, right? And, and, yet, and yet, sometimes I go with true or funny, sometimes both. And, and yet, here she is going, no, how could I believe in a God who would say, this is how it is, and you don't get to ask me questions? See, Romans 9 has some of the most difficult words in the Bible. It says things like this, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. 
This is about my choice. I'm God, you're not. You don't get to ask me questions. I remember the first time I saw that clip as she was explaining to this famous podcaster, we'll call him Joe. And as she was saying this, this is why I left my faith. The clip went off and I was ready for bed. And my wife looked at me like, what are you gonna do with that? It's like, I'm going to bed. She's like, what say ye, Pastor Sam, right? Like, like tell me, you can't just go, you just can't go to sleep on that. And because I'm married to the church, I had, you know, cause my wife attends church here. And uh, I, had to, I had to give a sermon at night. She goes, does it really say that for my wife who wasn't growing up in church? Because here's the reality. Most preachers have never preached Romans 9. Most people never even read it. They like Romans 8. They don't like Romans 9. But see, you can't understand Romans 9 without Romans 8 and vice versa. She said, what does it mean? What do you, what do you mean? What? I said, you have to understand what comes in front of it. Romans 8 is this passage about adoption. Romans 8 ends with saying that God loves us and nothing can separate us from the love of God. No height, nor death, no principality or spiritual wickedness. Nothing, not pestilence or sword or famine. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we love that passage, don't we? And then he goes on to say, listen, I will love whoever I love. Don't you remember? Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. I'm God, you're not. You don't get to ask me questions. For I will love whoever I love and show compassion on whoever I want to show compassion on. What do you mean? See, when you understand the ingredients in the recipe, when you begin to understand what's going on and you have the relationship to sit and listen and to go, well, what is that really about? you realize that it takes one of the most difficult passages in all the scripture and makes it one of the most beautiful passages. Because what it's saying is God's saying, I love people. I love people that you wouldn't. I love people that you never would get close to. I love people who've wronged you. I love people who don't look like you and you would never choose. I love people and you don't get to ask me questions about it. All of a sudden he goes, no, 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 you don't get to tell me who I love, who I save. See, this is why it was controversial. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard of these things before. See, essentially, Romans 8 gives, and 9 together, together gives us this kind of a picture. Maybe you've seen these things in these cultures. Uh, I know it's probably far removed from you, but there's this thing called a quinceañera. They tell me to roll the R. Quinceañera, almost, right? Have you seen these things? Maybe I know it's far. You've probably never seen anything like this, but I hear that a quinceañera goes like this. There's a, a young daughter who's coming of age and they throw a party for her and the night's all about her and they put her in a beautiful dress and they're gonna give her a crown and there's a cake and there's a party. Can you imagine? What a beautiful thing. What Romans 8 describes a scenario like this. Let's say there's a quinceañera and a father is getting ready to put a crown on his child. And right before he does, he goes, you know what? I have an idea. Let's go get the neighbor's kids and let's give them a quinceañera too. 
Say what? Yeah, yeah, no, let's go get, let's go get the neighbor's kids and let's throw them a party. Let's give them a crown. Let's let them eat some cake. It's like, dad, what, the neighbor's kids? The neighbor's kids been kicking the crap out of us for years, right? Big brother's like, yeah, one of them took Cindy's bike last week, right? He's like, yeah, 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 no. But I want you to go get them. Because I, I want to show them what a good father's like. I want to show them what real love is like. I got a party from the wood. Well, dad, they don't deserve that. And he's like, and, and, and you, you do? They don't, they don't deserve that. It's like, no, 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 no. Go, go get the neighbor's kids. Go get them. Go tell everyone that there's a party and I'm inviting them to it. I want to give them a crown and a robe and I want to throw them a party. And that's a great story. And here's the part you need to realize about the story. You're the neighbor's kids. (laughs) We're the neighbor's kids. What What do you mean? Here's what Romans 8 says. God has how many sons? You remember that verse that Tim Tebow wrote? John 3, 16. You remember that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How many sons does God have? Romans 8 says, his only son did the impossible, gave up his crown. You know know what crown he took? It It wasn't a crown of royalty. He took on a crown of thorns. That was the crown. Why? So he could make you royalty. And then Romans 8 says this, you've been made heirs and joint heirs. You've not received the spirit of fear unto bondage, but you've received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. You know why this was controversial? The book, the church in Rome were Jews and Gentiles. And he was saying, no, no, no. There's one son, it's Jesus, and everyone else, Jew and Gentile, Jew and Greek, this tribe, this nation, everyone is adopted. Everyone's the neighbor's kids. Everyone is the outcast and the one on the outskirts. And he found you and he went after you and he brought you to the party. He says, no, 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 we all are here. Romans 9 gets there and goes, and who are you to point your finger to a dad who wants to adopt children and treat his adopting children like he does his one and only son? He's God, you're not, you don't get to ask questions. Who are you if a good father wants to love the outcast? A good father wants to love our enemies because we too once were enemies. Who are you to ask him questions? He will love whoever he wants to love and have compassion on whoever he wants to have compassion for. You don't get to decide. I was sharing this with this guy at his house. I could see in a one-on-one in the kitchen 
tears starting to well up in his eyes. So I'm going to say, see, man, I don't know what you heard about Christianity. Maybe you thought it was just a book of directions. Maybe you thought it was do this, do that, or pay the price. Let me tell you, this story is about a good God who has grace towards those who are undeserving of grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor with God. See, in Titus, it's kind of this book that gives us some directions and some understanding of the recipe for the family meeting. See, here we are, adopted children. Here we are, people who God has thrown a party. Here we are, forgiven and given grace that we did not deserve. And now we meet together and we celebrate the great news, this story about Jesus who gave up everything that we might be considered the children of God, being found in Christ Jesus, that we might be heirs and joint heirs and we might inherit the kingdom of God that is rightfully Jesus. So in that, how do we act? How do we hold fast to that? Titus says, set some leaders in there who can protect and hold fast to this doctrine. Have some, some men and some families that are solid who can say anyone who preaches anything other than that, rebuke them. If they try to say this, this book is not authoritative and Jesus isn't the way and God is not a good father, anyone who does that, rebuke them because God is bringing his family from every nation under the sun, different faces from different places and he's melding them together and somehow they move together. Sometimes they don't even know how they're moving together. And all of a sudden you're a part of this community and you meet people that you never realized were, uh, oh, we're together in this. And he says, anyone, verse 10, anyone who cry, tries to cause division in that, anyone who comes in and says that God loves them more because they're a pious person, anyone who says, well, you know what? I've been in church a really long time. And I know lots of things about God. And I tithe and I give and I serve and God loves me more. They might not say that, but you have people who act like that. He said, no, 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 stop it. If people come into your gathering and start pointing finger and go, no, 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 you're out. God doesn't love you. God can't forgive you. You've gone too far. He says, warn him once, warn him twice. If he comes in and say, no, 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 in order to, to be found in Christ, you got to do all this stuff. You got to make sure you're keeping this feast. You got to make sure you're wearing the right stuff. You're eating the right stuff. You got to make sure that you only do this and never do that. If anyone comes in teaching the directions, not helping you understand the recipe, anybody comes in pointing their finger, he says, listen, they're trying to cause division. You warn them once, you warn them twice, and then have nothing else to do with them. He goes, no, no, no. You need some people who protect the flock protect the family. 
If they come in and saying the Bible is not the truth of, the, of God's word, it's not God's word and it's not truthful. And let me tell you about some of these other books. And really, it doesn't really mean that. It means something else. Let me show you a better way. No, no, there's no better way than God's way. Amen. He goes, no, no, no. Stop them in their tracks. Rebuke them with all authority. Not please don't remove the water because you're going to need it for the cheese sauce. You got, no, no, no. This is my house, my kitchen. This is God's church. This is God's family. You knock it off. He says, I'm going to send some people. What you read here is I'm going to send some people. And he says, like a family, care for them. Make sure Zenus, the lawyer, which he could have been a person who was inside of the Roman kind of government and Greek kind of democracy, but he also could have been a teacher of the law. Apollos was a preacher, and he says, they're with them, with Titus. He says, send them on their way and see that they lack nothing. Or in other words, provide with them for them so they can go get more of God's children to tell them about this party. So they can go reach more of the neighbor's kids. He goes, that's why they're, Titus shows us that's why missionaries are important. That's why evangelists are important. That's why you at a coffee shop is important. That's why you at dinner is important. That's why you at your job, because you are meant to go out. God has provided for you so that you can find more of his children and tell them about this party that he's thrown for them. Then the last thing he says, he says, grace and peace to all those who love the faith. Remind them that the reason why they're here is not on their own accord. It's not by works alone. Remind them of grace. Remind them that they once were lost, but now they're found. They once were blind, but now they see. Remind them not to be offended when dead people do dead things because they once were dead. And when God starts redeeming, saving, and transforming the neighbor's kids who've been kicking the crap out of you for years. Celebrate it. Be excited when God saves your enemy. Because that's a love that you and I do not understand. And he loves better than us. He reaches further than us. That's why his name's great. So we'll live in such a way for his glory and the good of this valley. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and who you are to us. You save sinners because you're good. We thank you that you came after us, the broken, the outcast. And even when we've been at the party a long time, we won't puff out our chest thinking it's by our own works that we're here. But it's by grace and grace alone. I thank you for my friend Adam. I thank you for Lindy. I thank you that you touch his heart, Canary Cove, Carmel by the Sea. 
I thank you that we met and you placed us together. And with every relationship we have, we'll realize that God puts us in the right places at the right time with the right people that we may put on display. As Titus ends by saying, encourage them to be devoted to good works. Let us be a church on this coast in Lompoc and in Buellton and all the places you're calling us to. Let us be devoted to good works. That, not that people rise up and see the name of a pastor the name of a church, but that your name would be great. Let them see our good works and glorify God who is in heaven. We thank you. Help us. Let everything we say and do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, amen. Will you give Jesus one more hand clap of praise? <laughs>